One long time ago, once upon a time, I started dating this guy, and uh, he lived in Meadowbrook, and I was a robber student. And we went out to eat a few times. We went, we went out to eat a lot, actually. That was the whole relationship at the beginning, months and months of just eating. And um, I'm not kidding. And uh, once we were going to Highland Park for a picnic, and he was trying to get to know me, and he said, so, like, about this call of God, so, like, if you got the call, and you had, like, a husband and kids, would you have to, like, drop everything and go answer that call? How does that, like, go to get the, you got the call? Got the call. Got to go. Like, the call of the wild? How does that work? And I thought it was funny, but it's not funny, because I feel like there is this misunderstanding of the nature of what the call is. It's like, you know, when I was in Bible college, it's like, oh, go to Africa. This is your official call. Go to Africa. And people thought that there was, like, you've got these kinds of callings. It's like, oh, you better, did you see that new guy? He's single. And he's like, there's a call in his life. He, he thinks he's called ministry. You better, you know, bat your eyelashes and get near him. He's going to be mission. He's going to be a big deal. Uh, this, I'm not even kidding. So um, it's like he can prophesy. Did you sit next to him at lunch? You should. You should because, you know, he's got a call. And so, and then if you were a girl, it was a little blurrier. You had to, like, get with a guy who had a call. But you knew you had a call, but you were, like, hoping there was something like a mouthpiece that you could be associated with with a wedding ring so that you could open your mouth and you could have a call. Right. I wish I was kidding. I'm not kidding. So... Um, so the nature of what this call is, and who's got one and who doesn't, and um, you know, in, in other cultures, it's like, oh, her son has answered the call to the priesthood, and all the women are so like excited and proud that she has a son who answered the call. And then in my childhood, there's also other women I knew who, my aunt is a nun. She got the call. She's at the convent. She got the call. Oh. Wow, I would have hung up the phone. No, kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But the thing is, what is a calling? And then there's other things that we respect in our culture, like someone who has a calling to medicine, somebody has a calling, and then more recently, people who are trying to uh, be like uh, effective in different spheres of culture, they're called to maybe, they, they, we say they're called to the mountains of culture, maybe government or calling his life for business or yada yada, but it's like it gets, it's blurry. What does that even mean? Calling the phone? No, that's not what it means. So let's talk about this for a few minutes. Uh, okay, here's the thing. If there is a call, the implication is that there's a caller. Imagine that. So the caller is the one that I really want to talk to you about this morning because the, the truth is that the caller is faithful to call and the Lord himself is the caller. And if he's enabled you to hear his voice, then you've answered the call. You know, I was nine. My mother took us to the little Pentecostal church, and we had long skirts and no makeup, and that was the old Pentecostal church. And I went to the altar call, and they prayed for me. That was the call, I guess. I didn't know what I was doing, but I did it. So that, that was like I entered, you entered into this journey of getting to know the Lord Jesus. So, so here's the thing. The caller is faithful. And you're primarily called to him. You're called to Jesus. You're called to, to him. You're called so decisively that everything else is pale. And the beauty of the call is that he enables us by the same grace that we responded to in the first place. You know, people have all different, uh, it's like a love story. How you began to understand that God had a plan for your life. He's inviting you into knowing him. He wants to forgive you and cover your sins. He's calling you to himself. So we're called from sin, but we're called to Jesus. And that's really the very first and most important thing you can be called to. And a little uh, newsflash, it doesn't ever change. You're called to know him. 
You're called to hear his voice. You're called to love him. You're called to enter into this thing. And it's almost like, it's like, it's like you can't even begin to understand what the beginning of it is going to result in. You know, uh, you know, one day in October, a lot of years ago, the little test thing said I was pregnant. It's like hucklebuckle beanstalk. I really wanted that. But you know what? I didn't even, I didn't had no idea what 35 years later, my adult son with his own kids, you just can't even know that journey, right? Similarly with the Lord, you can't know what the journey is going to be when you say yes, but the Holy Spirit miraculously comes in. He quickens you to be able to hear his voice and, and you begin, you begin to understand that you can hear his voice increasingly better. And then we, we talk about all different ways that you can know him and we respond to the call and the Holy Spirit comes in and he begins to conform us to the image of Jesus. But we are, are participating in this, in this beautiful thing of knowing him and loving him and serving him. And I would tell you that that's a primary call. And your primary call is to know and respond to the master, to be called to Jesus and, and become this beloved sons and daughters who are part of his family and he's the father. All good. We like that. We like that a lot. But in, in, in the Holy Spirit comes in, we are listening to this caller, and we're learning to abide. So as we're learning to abide, we're saying, God, you hear me say this a lot, what am I seeing, what are you saying, and what do you want me to do? It's like it's an ongoing thing. We're enjoying this. We're learning to hear it prophetically for other people. And we're, this is groovy, very groovy. But here's the thing. We're called from sin. We're called to Jesus. And then we're called for bearing fruit. And what does that look like? Well, I submit to you that's a secondary call. And, and, and for each person in this room, it can be a little different. And it's not less sacred than the person who got called to the mission field or the priesthood or the, the, the full-time, you know, this phrase full-time ministry. It's a misnomer. I got called to full-time ministry when I was nine years old. Here I am. I'm here, God. I'm showing up. Whatever you got for me, I'll take it. And I didn't know, I didn't know from up. I didn't know from up. And, and um, just a side note, I mean, some of us have these beautiful lineage in your family where people have a, an anointing on their life, and many generations did the cool anointing thing. Oh, we've been in government for 17 generations. We've been in business for, J.C. Penney was my great-great-grandpa. That's good, happy for you. But, but it, it, it does tend to be that, that those things sometimes go in lineage where you inherit some cool aptitude. Singers, great. Bankers, great, and the Lord, academic people, you know, government people. But maybe you didn't have a family that cultivated your gifts and said, you know, you'd make a good engineer. My, my, uh, my husband was always had some little building set or the little building sets that you had in the basement, lots of little building sets, making models. We, got, we received those. They just had, still had cellophane on them when we sold them at the garage sale. No one built one thing. They, my parents were like, here, have a model airplane. It's like, not even taking it out of the box. My brothers, none of us were there. Inclined, we weren't inclined, okay? But we didn't know what it was we were called to. And so it gets confusing. It's like, so I went to this Bible college, three years later, passed all the courses, but didn't feel particularly called to anything. I guess I didn't get called to anything. I guess I can still chew gum and co drink coffee, but other than that, I'm not called to very much. I didn't understand that the Lord can call you into bearing fruit in a way that is, um, is for you. 
So, so there was, there's this, there's this uh, academically, we could talk about this guy named Eusebius, and he wrote in the third century about the perfect way that you could be called is that you would be reflecting and meditating and studying God and maybe singing, and that was the perfect way. And that, that misnomer about the nature of the perfect way was, is really perpetuated to this day, because you think the secondary way is you do work, you get up, you drag a comb across your head, and you go to work, and then you come home, and you, you know, watch TV, go to the, the same day, you do the same thing the next day. And it really is, it makes you feel like some people are called to do really ethereal things that are meaningful in the spiritual realms, and the rest of us just shovel things, and we know what God doesn't, really isn't in that. We just do work. We just do work, and then if we're lucky, we get to watch some TV and eat some popcorn, and then we get up and do the same thing this next day. And we pray for vacation. But that isn't what God wants. It isn't what God wants. It's a two-tiered misnomer, it's a two-tiered error in theology to think that spiritual people get to fly around and be evangelists in buses, and the rest of us just get to wait tables and clean things. It's not what God wants. God wants your life to bear fruit after the way that he fashioned you. He doesn't want you to think that there's spiritual things you do. I go to church and wear a dress, and then, and then Tuesday, I'm scrubbing scum off a bathtub, and that's not spiritual, and I don't really like it very much at all. Stain stick, housework, what the heck, I was supposed to be called to something really amazing. I misunderstood. And I thought, another thing that happens to young girls sometimes is you think you're the hope of the nation. I went on a missions trip, and I taught Sunday school, and everything was really groovy. And then you had a baby, and you're up on blocks. What the heck, up on blocks, wearing spandex, having gray roots. It's like, oh, I was going to be the hope of the nation. Now I'm nothing at all. I do laundry. How did this happen? I was a spiritual person. Now I can't even remember my last name. It's like, you don't, and, and it's like, and, and then a young man could think, oh, he was called to ministry, and now he's just owning 14 stores. Too bad he didn't get to his ministry. It's like, no, that's not how it works. We were, I don't think it was anyone's intention to mislead us, but this perpetuated in, from generations and ages. And then there's another misunderstanding. So the idea that we're separated from our spirituality, from our practical work, that's two separate things. That's a missed communication. Bad theology, we don't believe that. You know what else we don't believe? That was like a, a, a Roman Catholic um, construct that happened once upon a time, ages ago. The other thing that's a miscommunication that's not really helping us is the Protestant work ethic message that work in itself is good for the sake of work. I don't know about you, but when my dad pulled in the driveway, you had to look busy. You had, working is good. Working is good. Resting, not so good. Playing, not so good. Sleep if you have to, but you should be working. And uh, if you're not working, then uh, get up and do some work. And it's like you only got approved of if you were engaged with doing the work. And if you work more, and if you work three jobs, that was really good. Oh, boy, you're really something. You're really doing a great job. You got 47 jobs, and you had three nervous breakdowns. Wow, that's impressive. You're impressive. You're, you're in the head of everything you ever, ever were part of. You ran it, and you ran yourself naked. Rig, no, ragged, ragged. Not naked. You ran yourself ragged, and then you were exhausted. Good for you. It's like, that's not what God wants. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want you to think that, that work is, is not blessed and unspiritual. Neither does he want you to think that you're only being approved of if you're doing work. Amen. There's just a balance that we need to get here, and it has to do with this calling. Once we rightly understand that you are first called to the Lord himself, then everything you do after that is blessed, and it's good, and you're motivated. Lily, you got that verse for me? It's from Colossians 3, 
23. The, the video operator is a very talented girl named Lily. Thank you, honey. It says, whatever you do, work heartily is unto the Lord and not for men. Is there more than that, hon? So, so we know that verse. We know that we're working unto the Lord. And there's a phrase that some of us have heard before. It's we're working for the audience of one. And so when I'm in my house and I'm keeping my home and I'm doing things to, to make it so that my children are, grow up and, and they know what godliness looks like, it's not less than to be cooking. It's not less than to be keeping house. We're making a beautiful environment so that God can be glorified. I mean, the first platform you ever get is your kitchen table. Yeah. Just, just bring people in, give them tuna fish on toast with potato chips. People will be blessed. People aren't necessarily looking for you to give them beautiful, beautiful food, and the environment is perfect, and everything looks spick and span, and there's harps playing. You don't have to have that in your house. You can have a house where people are welcome, you know, We'll move the laundry off the couch and you can sit down. That is just real life. You know, if you go to these houses where it looks like no one lives there, I don't know. It's like I left you a message, but somebody dusted. Clean me. It's like I, I, housekeeping isn't necessarily my favorite, but my house is open. Whatever I do is heartily unto the Lord. And that's something that I feel like the Lord has given me is the ability to say, hey, you're welcome here. The truth is that God wants to give you your own personal promised land. Your personal promised land, your call, in addition to the one that is abiding. Okay, I feel like I got this illustration from the Lord. The roots of your system are you abiding in Jesus. The roots of your system are you being in prayer. The roots of your system are you being in the word. Yeah. And all of this is in you, like groceries in a cart, like, like, a, like a tree with roots. But what grows up initially thought from that is your particular brand of genius. It's your particular brand of how the scripture comes out of you. It's your Romans 12 motive gift. Everyone has a different temperament, likes and dislikes. You know, I say this frequently, but I really feel like the genius of you as an individual, the Lord wants to give you a calling and make you brave about it. He doesn't want you to be apologizing because you're not like some, I always want to be shy. Wouldn't it be nice if I was shy and I didn't talk much? I always wanted to be that girl. She never got in trouble and she got to be best camper. Oh, the best camper is this little girl. Wait, she didn't never said one word, and she wasn't very helpful. Yeah, but she was quiet. We loved her. It's like, <laughs> how come I can't be her? Amen. I never was her. Okay, so we're holistic people. We're not divided. We don't believe that, that God is, is, is liking some aspects of our work and not liking other aspects of the work. You know, when God came to Abraham, he called him. Abraham wasn't working in a local church. He was in Ur of the Chaldees, somewhere over there in Babylon or whatever that was. And he said, Abraham, do you want to be my friend? Abraham, who wasn't always even bright, said, yeah, that sounds good to me. And, and God grew him. He drew him. He unraveled his lying nature. He unraveled his cowardice. You know, and, he, and, and God did that thing for Abraham. Even when he made that covenant with Abraham, God did it. Abraham slept. And, and similarly with Moses, Moses wasn't all that bright, and he was like out there on the backside of the desert with a hurting something. God said, come aside and look at this burning bush. That was all God. It wasn't that Abraham or Moses went to the right bush. Okay, if I go to the right school, and I have the right parents, and I live in the right neighborhood, I can become something. It's like, you know what? God knows where we are. He knows where we're from. He knows whether or not your parents were thinking, you know, my son is so, so fixated on doing the right thing for his children. What's going to grow them into the godly men and women? They're both in diapers. And Kate and David are like, oh, what toys will sow into their giftedness? It's like that it could make you weep because it's so beautiful that they're so invested. We watch TV. 
18 years. Go watch TV. <laughs> That's all. And, 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 so, and so, but you know what? I'm not saying that God loves us less or more, but he understands. He knows. He put those temperaments into you. He put those seeds of giftedness into you. Whether you're good with numbers and you like the details, or whether you're good with vision and you're a person who loves beauty, or whether you're a person, you know, all those things, introverts and extroverts, whether, you know, the gifts of the spirit that are in Romans 12 say there's exhorters and there's teachers and there's givers and there's helper. It's like everyone can have the right answer. What's the right answer to the problem? All those things are the right answer coming out of the mouth of the believer who's listening in prayer for the how to solve the problem. It doesn't all look the same way. And in the same way, God wants you to feel like you're called to manifest your gifts, your temperament, what he's calling you to personally. It's uh, your, your talents, your skills, your preferences, your experience, your education, your temperament, where you live geographically, and uh, what you're good at. Where your joy, what you like to do, meets the world's need. And I feel like a lot of people in this room, um, I'll just be honest what I think the Lord is saying. The Lord is saying that you have already been those people. You've been prayerful. You've been listening to the Lord. You've been supporting the local church. But you don't know how pleased God is with the, what you've been doing with your life. Amen. You've been, maybe you marched yourself off to a school. And you're the light in that school. And you're holding, your, you're manning the base it's like on my shift, I'm going to manifest the presence of the Lord and the kingdom in my classroom. Maybe you're a nurse and you're like in your department, maybe there's lots of haters who are like, why are you so cheerful? Why do you got to do more work than the rest of us? You make us look bad. It's like you're manifesting the Holy Spirit and the kingdom in that department. Maybe you're working in a, in a chain grocery store. Maybe, you know, when I feel like I want to go in a Chile Center Wegmans, that's my congregation. I know where all those people, I know their last names, I know their kids. I've been going to that same store for 30 years, and it's like, this is my, this is my people. And I don't know, maybe I'm nutty, but I'm like, I feel like that's my geographic locus of, you know, I, I don't have influence over people who live in Connecticut. I don't know anybody who lives in Connecticut. But I live here in my neighborhood, and I can walk around and pray, and I can be effective. So the call is kind of a little ge geography, where you go to school, where you've been serving the Lord in your neighborhood, in your kids, in your kids' friends. How many, you know, if you got, you know, my friend Chris Merwin's got six daughters. I said, dear, each one of your daughters has a, don't all of them call you, all the friends of all your kids? She goes, yeah, they all do call me. I'm like, well, there you go. I mean, your Christmas cards alone could be a congregation. So we manifest the Lord in the spheres that we touch, and he's pleased. So we're, we become, we respond to the caller, and it makes us courageous to take action. I, th I feel like the Lord this morning wants to tell you that you should be courageous in the, your dream. The thing you were thinking of, should I start a business? Yes. Should I do a, do a, open my house to a group of people? Should I start a Bible study? The thing is that the Lord is with you, and he doesn't want you to think, what if I make a mistake? What if it doesn't work out? What if someone says, who does she think she is? That's not the end of the world. You could start a thing based on what's fun for you and where God has put your giftedness, and he wants to lead you into meaningful work and he wants you to go to some place where you're celebrated. I, want, I just want each person in this room to know that God's blessing you. He's endorsing you. He's affirming you. And he likes who you are. He likes you. He likes the fact that you don't, you know, what's for, for me? I don't like cold eggs, okay? Don't let anybody serve me cold eggs, okay? But the Lord is not mad at me because I have preferences. Some, some people like, oh, all the perfumes like, it has smell of vanilla. I don't want to smell like vanilla. All the other women want to smell like vanilla. That's okay. I just feel like your preferences, I know this sounds silly, but your preferences are endorsed by God for a purpose, for your own specific fruit-bearing method, and that's okay. 
and the other thing that helps you when you're when you're rooted in prayer, you're rooted in the word, you're, you're all the beautiful worship this morning was affirming that we love Jesus, he loves us, but but if I may say, intimacy results in fruit. Look at people, they get newly married, then two, three years later, somebody's in diapers. The intimacy produced fruit. And in your life, your worship life produces ideas, produces strength, produces um, courage to do cool things. You know what else your worship life produces in your calling? It produces endurance. And it, it produces your ability to be diligent in the mundane, in the boring, in the drudgery. It's like, if I can learn to be faithful and diligent, anybody can. Because I did not come out of my mother's womb liking to be bored or mundane or the, 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 the monotony. The monotony would make me just want to want to join the circus. But the Holy Spirit can, can, can compel you so you're not going to do anything rash. You're like, the Lord is with me in this thing. The, the, the hard part and the easy part together, I'm manifesting his call on my life. And I can love the unlovely because I'm with the master. And he's affirming me. And he's making me brave. And I'm not orphaned. There's not just one cookie. There's more than enough. And I can serve him because I'm his adult daughter. He wants to lead us into purposes. He wants to make us brave during the mundane. As we're parenting. It's like whoever signed up to just say, oh, diapers, I love diapers. The more poop, the better. Said no one ever. <laughs> but because we have vision, we have vision for these adult kids to be really great, we like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I, my, my grandkids, I want to change the diaper. I have so much vision for them. I'm like arcing with, with excitement. So I'm like, I'll change her, I'll change her. They're like, you want to? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, you're a little weird. Okay, go ahead, do it. I'm excited about, I'm excited about my grandkids. And as we are in worship, as we are listening to the caller, he's commissioning us, he's deputizing us, he's endorsing us, he's infirming us. And then our prayer lives make it so we have this North Star this gyroscope, so we're listening and we're like obeying with confidence. We're not saying, well, what if I get it wrong? What if people don't like my ministry? What if people don't like the book I write? What, what if I open a business and no one comes? Try it out. It's not the end of the world. Try something different. It's like, yep, that was the, I see it in really highly effective people, even if they're not Christians, they get up and try again. If Martha Stewart can reinvent herself 47,000 times, anybody can. I mean, the women went to jail. And now she's making money hand over fist, and she doesn't seem to remember that she had a, a, like a less than ideal time. That was then. This is now. And she's, you know, laughing all the way to the bank. So obviously, that when she had a bad moment, she didn't go under the bed and cry for the rest of her adult life. She said, well, better get up back up again. There's a lesson to be learned in that. That means that God can continue to course correct us. He can change things. The, the, the thing that is bearing fruit for you, it might change. It's like technology changes. So what was that working then doesn't necessarily work in network now. It's not a reason to, to go home and cry. It's like, oh, I won't do that again. That didn't work out. It's we're either learning, we're either earning or learning. It's like, oh, didn't, better try something else. So the Lord is endorsing us. He wants you to know that he wants to bless you. He wants you to be able to provide for your family. You know what he said to Moses? He said, Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses like, got this stiff thing here. And God's like, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that to bless you, to help you. Moses led the children of Abraham. That silly staff was what he used. And I feel like God has put a staff in your hand, whether it's your talents, whether it's your preferences, whether it's the people that you know. Your calling is the thing that he made out of the grocery cart of your life, your experiences, your education, where you're from, what you like to do. Those are all a beautiful soup 
that God wants to serve to the world. And I just want you to know that if your parents didn't tell you that it was really you were the best thing than since sliced bread, I'm here to tell you that you are. And that God wants to endorse all of your proclivities, all of your inclinations, and that they're, they're from the Lord. And anything that hasn't been redeemed yet, he's in the process of redeeming. He who began a good work will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's not asleep on our behalf. I'm living proof. He's not asleep. You don't have to be born under a lucky star. You don't have to have parents who put you in violin lessons when you were three. If that happened for you, I'm happy for you. But if it didn't, God still has the ability to bless you, parent you in godliness, and to propel you to success. He wants that for you, and I want that for you. So as we're called, we're called from the, by the caller. We're, we're learn how to abide, how to be prayerful, how to learn his word. And then the fruit we bear off our individual trees is different one from another. And that's fabulous news. We are endorsed. I know we know this in the abstract, but I feel like you need to get it in your spirit. You need to get it in your soul that he's blessing you, that he, that he loves who you are. You're not second. You didn't default. You didn't force gump your way into where you are. You were, you were led. And I feel like part of you knows you were led, but the part of you feels like this little residual thing like, well, I might have been able to be a really good contender if I wasn't born in that neighborhood to those people. That's not true. God has the ability to redeem all the pieces and all the parts, and he wants good things for you. Everything we are and everything we do is invested with supernatural devotion and dynamism. So we live out our response as a summons to the caller. And I just feel like there's a certain amount of swagger you should have, a certain amount of, yup, that's right, I'm led by God, and I'm still standing, and he's speaking to me, and I'm bearing fruit, and I'm blessing others. And, and it's, it's not a small thing. It's the, how we're agents of the kingdom in the earth, how we're spreading the kingdom in our neighborhoods by just sharing muffins with neighbors and cookies and going to their lame garage sales, and we're blessing them, and we're, we're participating, we're buying stuff from kids who sell it door to door. You're being salt and light at your workplace. And, and at the same time, he's simultaneously inviting you into the more of God, more prophetic, more ability to hear, more ability to solve problems. And I just, I just love you guys. And I just feel like God wants you to feel that he's endorsing you and he's blessing you. Our prayer lives can also inform us how much is enough. You know, is it ever time to light the grill and finish working? Can we be done here? And I just feel like as you're prayerful, the Holy Spirit can repair those gauges that your parents either wanted you to work around the clock. How come you didn't get better grades? What's with this A minus? It's like, oh my gosh, stop talking. If that voice is still in your head, those voices form how we think. So it's like, I didn't get an A plus because I had to go to sleep and I had babies. When I was in graduate school, I had, David was little and it's like, you know what? It's good enough. I'm, you know, happily married. I'm not as hungry as this girl who's, who, if this doesn't work out for her, she's going to be back under a bridge. It's like, you know what? I'm okay. I got this. And so the, the, the Lord wants you to get this, this narrative in your, in your head that, that you know how much is enough. When it's time to have a birthday party. Well, shouldn't we be doing more work? No, that's the beauty of tithing. It's like you're trusting the Lord with that 10%. That that's the beauty of honoring the Sabbath. You're trusting the Lord with the Sunday that you're not off to open your store. You're trusting the Lord when you, when you fast. You're, I'm trusting the Lord from I'm going to weaken my body so I can hear him better. None of that makes sense to your natural mind. But in God, we're trusting with him with our bodies when we fast. We're entrusting him with our money when we tithe. We're entrusting him with our time when we pray. And he is honored when we're saying, you know what? I'm submitted to you, God. 
I'm your beloved daughter. It's going to work out for me. And the calling can flow, and we can have confidence that he's not withholding one good thing from them who Amen. walk uprightly. Yes. It's like, well, if I had, you know, all my friends had to straighten their own teeth. What's, what about that? It's like, you know what? The Lord is in it. He's in your testimony. He knows that maybe everything wasn't perfect in your, in your childhood. He wants to heal you, and he wants to enable you to hear his voice give you this inner gyroscope so prophetically you could do even yard work, even housework, even where you go to work, changing jobs, that he's in it all for you, and he wants you to feel that like he's calling you and enabling you, even in the menial, even in the mundane, even in the monotonous, even in the tedious. And if God can help me do that, he can help anybody because that's those things are not my nature. Calling enables us to see the things through God's eyes. We affirm beauty in people. We affirm beauty in culture, in nature, and in other people. So when we serve them, we serve them unto the Lord. We're hearing his voice. We're the called. We're the, we're the apostolic people. We're sent out. And I just, I just believe that you already live this way, but there might be a greater upgrade in your ability to enjoy it. Enjoy the work you do. Even when things are like, oh, that was difficult. Didn't enjoy that. It's okay. That's a bump. Didn't, wasn't pretty. But we're moving on. And we're, emotionally, we're stronger. We're optimistic because Jesus is enthroned at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for me. And I don't have to be preoccupied with what there is to be afraid of, what there is, what, what went wrong in the past. It's like he can come and heal us so we can hear his voice, so he can call us into, into being successful people. He wants that for you, successful in your mind, successful in your body, successful in your finances, so that your kids are like, I want that lifestyle. It isn't fossilized. It's not full of policies and rules. We're dynamic people who are listening to the Father and manifesting his love to the people around us through our gifts and talents. That's the calling. The calling is you're responding to the caller and you're bearing fruit with the, with the unction of what the Holy Spirit gives you. And that's like, oh, that's sort of easy. I was doing that already. I know. But I think that you could enjoy it even more than you are because you could feel like, you know what? I'm God's favorite. He's blessing me. He's giving me good ideas. He's going to endorse my ideas. I don't need to be in dread. Well, what if you're not successful? It's not a big deal. Won't do that anymore. I had a, a doctor tell me one time, she wrote me a script for this medicine, and I'm like, I don't know if I should take this or I shouldn't take this. Well, and I, I was making it into like an opera, and I was breaking my head, and she said, you know, if you don't like it, you can stop. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. It's like this inability to make a mistake and feeling condemned. If you made a mistake, there was only one cookie and you dropped it, you're out of here. It's like, no, that isn't how God is. But it is how my thought life was as a girl. It's like there's not, you know, we only, you can't learn how to drive because we only got one car and you might bump it. Okay, thanks. It's like that's not how God is. God wants us to be trees who are rooted and grounded in him. I'm with the master in his vineyard. And when I do hard things, it's like I'm with the master. Is this difficult? Yes. Is it pleasant? No. But I'm with the master. I'm in his vineyard. And even when I'm, I'm doing some hard work, you know, I don't, I've never worked in a vineyard. But I think sometimes it could be sweaty and hard and difficult and long hours. It's like, but I'm with the master. That's what I tell myself when I'm doing something unpleasant that I really need to do. I'm with the master, and I'm within his company, and he's endorsing me, and, and he's the bridegroom, and I'm the bride, and I can do this. It makes me braver. It makes me stronger. I'm being inspired and affirmed by the master himself. Our sense of calling is rooted in the gratitude and the knowledge that we're living on the right side of the cross. We're not living, the Holy Spirit is in us. 
This isn't Old Testament. We're, we're the, the cross made provision for us, so it makes us brave and the sense of calling that I, my sense is that most people here already are doing things that God enabled them to do. But God wants you to know that he's blessing that thing. He's, he's, he's giving you strength and stamina so that we can bear fruit even in old age. We can be green trees. And that we are hidden with Christ and God. Our prayer lives and our theology helps us to grow up to be healthy sons and daughters. And as a result, we can be simultaneously brave, humble, creative, and have stamina that maybe we didn't know we had. Stamina to do hard things. I don't want to do that. That looks hard. I know. You're going to be brave, and you're going to do the hard thing. More stamina than other people have. How do you have stamina? I don't know. The Lord is helping me. I'm braver. I'm more creative. Okay, hear it again. Brave, humble, creative, and with stamina. And peace and joy while we're at it. But I just feel like those are the things God wants for you. And this notion of calling sometimes, I just don't want you to think that it's just for the talented 10th, for the special person under the lucky star. It's for us who are in Christ. And the roots of our calling, we listen to the caller first. It's our primary calling. And the secondary calling is the fruit that comes out of our lives as individuals. And that's our delight, to be that particular brand of fruit that may look a little different than another person. That's okay. And God is with us. And uh, I just feel like this specific group of people are full of people who are talented, who have education, who have cool experiences. The giants you've slain qualify you. You've slain giants. It's like you lived through that. Yes, I did. So you've lived through things that you'd be like, you know what? This is, I can make you a map through that bad place. I went through that bad place. I can make you a map. That test, I got the answers to that test. Just get with me. I can tell you the answers to that test. I lived through it. And so we become a blessing to people. We help them solve hard problems because God is with us. And we're listening creatively and we're like, you know what, God? Let's try a new thing. And I just feel like people in this room, if that isn't already your portion, if you don't know God in this way, if Jesus isn't already talking in your ear, then we can, we can fix that. He's inviting you to come into this adventure. He's inviting you to answer his call, that you would know that you're beloved of God. That, he, that he's washed away your sin. We sang about the blood of Jesus. You know, in the natural mind, that doesn't make sense. But to the spiritual man, you, you take that leap of faith to believe that it can be for you, and everything changes. So I'm going to pray for people who want to know him in a personal way, who want to be uh, just, re, just refreshed in their salvation, and also for people who want to believe God. This, like, this is the moment for bravery, to say, I want to come into calling for more whether it's in my initial calling to follow Jesus in the first place or my secondary calling to be brave for things I want to do, but I'm, I'm fearful. Today, we're going to take off fear like a bad, stinky bathrobe, and we're going to put on the bravery that comes from believing the Holy Spirit is in us and with us to do innovative things, unforeseen things, things that are creative, things that are brave in business, in your home life, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, that God's going to make you those people who are called of God and answering his call and are, are not going to be lied to anymore by fear, by shame, by uh, insufficiency, inadequacy, condemnation. We speak death to all of that in Jesus' name. What was, was. And we're going we're gonna to believe God for this next season of being upgraded in our ability to hear his voice, be brave and innovative. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you that the people in this room are a beautiful company of people and that we are saying yes 
we say yes to Jesus. We say yes to the call. We, we, we say, yes, I want to be called to be a person of faith who believes in the provision of the cross. I'm identified with his death, and I want to be raised to newness of life. If that's you, and you want to be identified with Jesus, you want to answer his call to this adventure life, to be his sons and daughters, I invite you to come up to the front and get prayer. And additionally, if you want to be those who have been inhibited in the past, that you, you believe in the message of the cross, but you really haven't enjoyed being those called ones, those sons and daughters who enjoy all of his endorsement, all of his provision, all of his bravery. Lord, and if you've been uh, just, just suffering under this misunderstanding of what it means to be called to bear fruit, to be called, that God is calling you, the caller is calling you to be uh, this, this, this beautiful people of, of bravery, of, of innovation, of bearing fruit, and unashamedly endorsing your gift. Yep, that's me. I like to do that. That's me. I'm not going to apologize anymore. That's fun for me. I want to go where I'm celebrated, endorsed, and that the provision of God is here for you to step into this layer of greatness that may have been eluding you that we're going to put off anything that would hinder, any lie that would hinder, and we're coming into a new upgraded bravery and provision. If that's something you'd like, then I encourage you to come forward too. We're going to just, just confer this anointing for calling, for uh, just, just a new courage to say, I am up for this next season. God is with me. He's for me, and he's not withholding any good thing from me. I thank you, God. I thank you for this day. I thank you for these people. And I pray that you'd uh, bless us, bless us. Bless.